What is frustration? It is all the frustration about the stuff that isn't happening that you want to see that you haven't seen. Vision and frustration are the same thing. I often say to people that if they're not frustrated about the job that they're doing, the thing that you're involved in, you should leave. And uh, you should go find a job that you will be frustrated in. And you should hand over the job that you are now doing to someone who will turn up and be frustrated in it. Because it's only through frustration, vision and hope that the world really goes forward. Vision and frustration are the same thing. Um, It so happens that um, five years ago, uh, we came up here with a vision for the church. Um, this church, it's called the twen- it was called the 2020 Vision. It was 2010, and we sat down as a church together, and we thought about what we would like to do over the next 10 years. What we wanted to do was start a primary school. What we wanted to do was start secondary education, decent education for the whole community. What we wanted to do was create decent housing. Loads of the housing for the ordinary people around here is very cramped. What we wanted to do was create employment. What we wanted to do was create safer streets. What we wanted to do was create a park where there weren't condoms uh, scattered around the swings and there weren't needles scattered around the swings. What we wanted to do was help people with the debt they were suffering. What we wanted to do was help people deal with uh, the problem of feeding their kids nutritious food. What we wanted to do was deal with adult literacy and numeracy as well as child's literacy. And the list goes on. And so you sit there with all these dreams and we wrote them down as a bit of a poem, actually, that some of you know. And it's a dead frustrated exercise. Because you look at what we've got, and you look at what's in our hand, and you look at the lack of money we have, and you look at the lack of personnel that we've got, and you look at the size of the housing problem, or the educational problem, or the employment issue, or the lack of leisure facilities issue, or the debt that's in the community, and it just seems impossible. We are looking at these nine habits together over the nine services. And as Anna said, Jill spoke this morning about, um, she spoke this morning about compassion. I'm speaking this evening about patience. And we're going to unpack these nine habits based on the fruit of the Spirit over these coming nine services. It's easy, isn't it, to say, well, do you know, I'm pretty good on... compassion, but I'm no good at patience. I'm quite hopeful, but (laughs) I'm miserable a lot of the time. I'm not joy. We're going to look at being joyful. That's one of our other nine habits, all based on the fruit of the Spirit. The thing about the fruit of the Spirit, which is a metaphor that Paul uses when he writes to the church in a place called Galatia, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness, self-control etc. The fruit of the Spirit, the thing about using that metaphor, fruit, is firstly, that they all bubble out from inside. Fruit grows because the tree lives. You can't develop fruit without the tree being there. But the biggest truth about it 
is that they all grow together or they don't grow at all. It's a bit like learning to ride a bike. If you want to learn to ride a bike, you've got to master the pedals and the brake and the bell and the um, and the steering and balance and you've got to do it all at the same time it's no becoming a, no good becoming a master of balance but not learning to turn the pedals it's no good becoming an expert brake clencher but but not being a, not being able to uh, to turn a corner You've got to learn all of these skills at the same time. And in actual fact, that's what happens, isn't it? It's what you do when you learn to drive. You learn a whole lot of skills and they fit together and they make you competent. People will say, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a patient person, but I seethe underneath. They tell you that they have one gift and not the other. What the Bible is saying is that all of these gifts and skills... Uh, fit together. We set out to do this thing here uh, five years ago. We're five years in. Our vision lasts through until 2020. Some of us were in a planning meeting yesterday and the, for the first time people began to say we need a vision to take us to 2025, a 10-year vision from now, which is great. And we're going to begin working on that uh, through, um, through the next year, I guess. But the truth is, five years on, there is um, a children's centre. And there is a primary school and there is a secondary school and we do run a debt advice centre. And we are tackling people's debt and financial issues. We're just in a conversation now with HSBC Bank to set up a kind of financial literacy um, pilot. Um, we won't call it that because financial literacy sounds terrible, doesn't it? It's just helping people budget before they ever get into debt and not wait until uh, they're there. In the last few weeks, we've begun a great conversation with the Law Society. And when the Oasis Centre, which is the bit of building just down the road, opens on May the 6th, we hope that in the following months, there'll be um, a legal service set up there where some of the big legal companies in London give their time uh, so that we're always open to give legal help to families in the area that get pushed around by big landlords who charge them a fortune and leave them with damp rooms and don't, you know, make sure that the utilities work and etc., etc., etc. So we're working on that. We're really pleased that when the um, the uh, the coffee shop, the Oasis Centre, as we're going to call it, opens. Um, on May the 6th, it's going to contain uh, the local library as well. Um, so we have got some funding that is available and we are going to begin working with books for the community and literacy services there. We have ideas bubbling away now about social housing and uh, we hope that in the next uh, three or so years, we'd be able to develop a project with some genuine social housing. Not affordable housing, because affordable housing, as you know around here, isn't affordable to anyone except a millionaire, but real uh, social housing that genuinely good housing that people can afford. So how does that come about? Patience. 
It's all about patience. You either set in life short-term goals and low goals because you don't have patience or you've got to learn to live with hanging on to something and working at it across the years. We read um, these wonderful words together. I'll read them to you again from Hebrews. The writer to the Hebrews is talking about Jesus and, and using him as an example for us. So he says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I don't know if you've heard this term before. Uh, It's the term delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. The problem with the life that Anna just talked about, that fast life, where Google always, actually, around our house, um, it always takes more than four seconds for websites to load. It takes a couple of minutes, you know, if they load at all. But the point is, we're used to Google. We're used to being able to know what we want to know right here, right now. We live in a society, as Anna said, in a more eloquent way than I can, where Everything that we need is provided for us now. And in that kind of society, it's really difficult to develop this habit of delayed gratification. Why do I use the term delayed gratification? Because the problem with patience is it can sound very passive. Patience can sound like, well, I know the world isn't the way it should be, and I know I don't have the skills I need to have, and I know my life isn't in the position it should be, and I know my relationships aren't right, and I know our town isn't the way it should be, and we know our church isn't the way it should be, whatever, so I will passively wait. Delayed gratification isn't a case of posting it all into the future, and hobbling on with life as it is. It's a case of working hard today for the outcomes we need, but keeping at it instead of expecting it to be the way we want it on the day we want it. The Bible uses an expression all the time that you'll know all about. It creeps into some of our worship songs. It's in the Psalms. We're told to wait on the Lord. Do you know that expression? Wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. We'll wait on the Lord. We're waiting on you, Lord, we say. Now, we sing it a lot and say it a lot. What do you mean when you sing it and say it and pray it? When you say, Lord, we just wait on you now. What do you mean when you say that? I'd just like you to think about that for a minute. When you say, Lord, we wait on you. What do you mean? I've got a feeling that most of us haven't got a clue what we mean. It's just one of those things that Christians are supposed to say and feel. It's kind of spiritual to wait on God. Let me put to you, we're very confused because the word wait in English can mean two completely different things. The first Uh, way in which we use the term to wait is to wait at a bus stop. 
When you stood at the bus stop waiting for the 159 to go down the road, if you ever do that, what you do is nothing. You stand there and look at the Chinese shop and then you look down the road and you look across the traffic lights and then you wonder if the bus is coming and then you realise it isn't. And then you uh, look back at the Chinese shop and then you can you figure, if you're anything like me, whether you should walk to the next bus stop, uh, which is a really stupid thing to do, isn't it? Because it don't make it any cheaper. It just means that it's likely to come past when you're halfway between the two, <laughs> as it normally does. So waiting, we wait at a bus stop, and waiting at a bus stop is an absolutely passive thing to do unless you find something meaningless to do to fill the time. But there's another sense in which we use the term to wait in English, and the problem is, being the kind of people we are, I think when we say, we're waiting on you, Lord, we normally jump to the wrong meaning, not the right one. And you think... What do you mean there's another way of using the word to wait? Well, it's when you go to a restaurant and there's a waiter and the waiter is waiting on you. And if you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know darn well that to wait on people in a restaurant is an incredibly hectic and demanding business. You've got to have all sorts of things in your head. You've got to know about five stories at once. The stories of each of the people on each of the tables that you're responsible for. And your job is to meet the needs of those people. Can I help you, sir? Can I help you, madam? Would you like to see the wine list? Are you ready to order yet? Would you like a starter? Oh, no, you need five more minutes. I'll be back. Can I get you some water? Uh, have you have you chosen yet? Yes, we do all of those options gluten-free. Yes, the fish is sea bass tonight. Would you like it? Would would you like it rare or would you etc etc. Waiting in a restaurant, um, not the sea bass. <laughs> Waiting in a restaurant is an incredibly demanding business. It's active. There's two ways in which we use the term to wait in English. and One is completely passive, and the one is extraordinarily active. We talk about patience as a fruit of the Spirit. Let me ask you this question, to which I think you know the answer. When Paul chose these nine fruit of the Spirit that we're looking at, What was he describing? Who was he describing? Actually, we know that he was describing Jesus. He was saying, the fruit of the Spirit in your life will make you look like Jesus. Jesus was filled with love, and Jesus was patient, and Jesus was hopeful, and Jesus was long-suffering, and Jesus was faithful, and Jesus was self-controlled. These words are a picture of the character of Jesus. So was Jesus hanging around hoping for something to happen? When we think of Jesus and patience, do we think of the ineffective, passive, non-directional kind of waiting that wastes days and months and years with a 
sense of, well, I can ask for nothing more? Or do we think of someone who knew exactly what he was about? There's another thing I say to myself very often. Uh, since um, Oasis began, I began the Oasis Trust 30, 30 years ago now, exactly, and it now employs thousands and thousands and thousands of people in this country and other countries, and I've learned this. The journey with others is always slower than the journey alone. The journey with others is always slower than the journey alone. To do it yourself, to get on with it, to make a decision and put it into action is sometimes hugely faster than going through all the right channels and getting all the right people involved and nothing actually happening at the end of it. Do you know that feeling? But the journey alone might be faster than the journey with others. It just doesn't get you half as far. The one man or woman lone ranger with their clear vision of what they should be doing may be able to do what they think they should be doing fast, but they won't get very far. The person who journeys with others, who's actively waiting and serving, is the person who'll be able to journey far. Connie and I used to live in Croydon, and down the end of our street there were two corner shops on opposite corners. So you drove down the road, and, oh, well, no, they weren't on opposite corners. They were next to each other. And um, you could either go in the first one or the second one. And uh, there they were, sat next to each other. And for the 23 or 4 years, I can't remember what it was, that we lived there, both these shops were there. The incredible thing is that over those 24 years, Both of the uh, shopkeepers and their families, actually, worked incredibly hard. All the hours that God sent. You couldn't ask for them to work harder. If you went down there at 6 in the morning, they were open. If you called in at 11 o'clock at night, they were still open. Uh, They were open on Christmas Day and Boxing Day and bank holidays and all weekend. They were always open, both of them. But here's the thing. Over the 20 or so years... What happened to them was completely different. It was an interesting thing to watch. One of them is still there probably this evening. He's still there, stood behind the counter, still there not taking credit cards, still there <coughs> turning over and uh, his little bit and working incredibly hard. The other guy in the next shop now runs a little chain of shops across South London. It's amazing to see one family that's kept one thing going and the next shop, which does exactly the same thing, has grown into a chain of shops around South London. One guy, both of them, working hard and one guy working smart as well as hard. The journey with others is slower than the journey alone, but the journey with others will get you further than you could ever get to on your own. And what that requires, of course, is patience. Not the inactivity that says, that's laissez-faire and says, hey, the way it is is the way it is, but an active waiting that commits itself to service all the time. Um, 
Jesus. Well, let us run the race with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So these words bubble out. Perseverance, longing, fixing our eyes on Jesus, racing. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. Consider him who endured so much opposition so that you will not grow weary in heart. The Christian kind of patience, the Christ-centered kind of patience in life, isn't the patience that sits there and is content. The kind of patience that emanates from following Christ is the kind of patience that goes with compassion and with a hunger for justice, which means that you can never sit there quietly. You've got to get off your backside. You've got to be involved. You can't look at what's wrong with the world and say, no, we're just supposed to be patient. The government will sort it eventually. Society will run right. Or else, you see, you'd be stuck if you were here this morning because Jill spent this morning talking about a sense of compassion. And here this evening we'd be talking about, hey, no, forget that. Just chill. It's the evening. Patience is the name of the game. In the end, in God's good time, all these things will happen. No, this patience is hungry. This patience is waiting actively. When I go speak at churches around the country, I am often stunned by this sentence, but I hear it all the time. I'll go to a large church and someone of of a certain theological persuasion and what will happen is someone will have a word of prophecy. I've been there a thousand times. And the word of prophecy will effectively say, the Lord is saying, now is the time for action. Now is the time for mission. I was in one just a few months ago when God told them that now was the time, the season, as they put it, to begin working with the poor. And I'm thinking, well, blow me down. (laughs) This is kind of news to me. This is finally the season when God thinks we should begin working with the poor. What's wrong with God? Has he not does he not has he not been listening all these years to the cries of the poor? And I realise again that no, it's the church that's not been reading the Bible. They've been stuck in a kind of passivity and patience that just says, It's the way the world is, don't disturb us, we're singing. The truth is that God's always on the side of the poor. The truth is it's always the season to get involved. The truth is it's never the time to sit down. The truth is now is always the moment to fight for justice. Do we not know that? So what does this patience mean? It must only mean this, that as we fight and as we work, we have an inner peace but we have an outward activity, for we follow Jesus. Let us run with perseverance, patience, tenacity, resilience. The the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith.